Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 67 of All Booked Up, the Buffalo and Erie County Public Libraries podcast about books, movies, and all things pop culture. I am your host, Michelle Snyder. And I am Jacob Maracle. Good morning, Jacob. Good morning, Michelle. How are you doing? You know, I'm great. So by the time this episode airs, it's on a very special day. Do you know what Monday is? What holiday it is? Uh, No. No, I have no idea. It is International No Diet Day. Is it really? That's perfect timing. I'm really for me. happy about it. I really need that. International No Diet Day. It was day. actually it's a crazy weekend of holidays. So Saturday, May fourth. Come on, what's that? That's Star Wars Day. There you go. I know that one. I definitely know that one. Yeah. See, I, we I missed last week because I was I could have done our Star Wars reference on Episode sixty six. Why? And I blew it. Why? Oh well, that's the. The order to kill all Jedi's was order number sixty-six. Oh, I don't even remember that. Yeah, by you know, friend of the show, Emperor Palpatine. No, stop it! Not at all. I'm not saying I'm happy about it, but you know, he did offer to come on the show, and we were mm-hmm. like, well, you know. And then Sunday was uh, Cinco de Mayo. That's true. I got something else going on Sunday. You do. So I, I like I like talking about the future. So that when it airs, it's the past. It feels kind of awesome. It's very. Uh, so what is happening slash happened Sunday? Well, I am doing the Pittsburgh Marathon. Look this at Sunday. you. Yes, indeed. Look at you. And I am already exhausted just thinking about <laughs> it. Let me tell you. <laughs> but you love running for some inexplicable reason. I do. It's good time. I'm not hyped about the weather, which is surprising. Isn't it supposed to be nice out? It's supposed to be beautiful out. It's supposed to be between 50 and 70. What's the problem? Well, here's the thing. When you're doing marathons, you have to add 20 degrees to your like to the temperature because your body's going to be heating up because you're running for that long. But your body's not going to get 20 degrees hotter or you're going to die. Well, that's You're going to turn into flames. That's what I'm worried about because if it's going <laughs> to be on like 70, I'm like, "Oh, you're my worried God. about being a human torch." Yeah, like I've been well, I've been I training get, all winter I in get that. triple layers of clothes and gloves and hats and now it's like, "Ah, oh, you barely have to Here wear clothes." Is a super important question after the marathon on this Sunday. Are you going to be somewhere to watch Game of Thrones? Oh, yeah. I'm going to be laying in my hotel room completely worthless, eating tacos, I'm sure. Pittsburgh tacos because, you know, they're going to have French fries on them. Actually, Sunday is also International Hoagie Day, so you might want to consider that. Well, Cinco de Mayo versus Hoagies. I don't know. Sorry. Like I said, there's going to be French fries on it, whatever it is. It's a Pittsburgh cuisine. Okay. Go figure. It does make sense. You should get tacos. Well, yeah. I mean, tacos, never a bad time for tacos. Just so long as you can watch Game of Thrones, I I feel like definitely for the last episode, we're going to have to meet and record on the Monday after because we can never really talk about the episode because we're always going to be a week behind. And yeah. like the last one that we saw... Was amazing. Yeah, it's old news <laughs> at this point. I know. We were two so, of the we were two of the only people that apparently could actually see it because of people were complaining about how dark it oh, was. Oh, I mean, I think it was super dark too. I could see it, but there was stuff that I couldn't see. I mean, that I think that's that's a serious complaint, but it's a complaint that I've had for seven seasons. Is certain scenes at Winterfell? I'd be like, why does it have to be so dark? Like you put all this time into the details. <laughs> And I can't see any yeah. of the details. $100 million budget, no idea who got murdered. It is it is a problem a little the bit. The dragon though. fight was the worst for me. Really? I was like, I don't know who is biting who. I don't know who fell off. I okay, don't know no, what's happening. That was a bit of a problem. Uh, it was, you couldn't really tell who was who. I mean, it was dark and people, it's not the cinematography that I'm complaining about because they, they make really, there's really beautiful shots. I You know, you can't tell where the camera is. 
there's gorgeous things happening, but when I can see them. Yeah. And sometimes I just can't, so... Yeah, it was kind of hard to see the World War Z zombies running around too. Like it was just yeah, like they wave really. My wave. my dad said that that they were very World War Z when they were like climbing up the walls of Winterfell. That was easily that's the best part about that movie. That was the best part about that sh- episode. Besides the fact that our boy Ghost made it out alive. <laughs> yeah, thank because he's, he's a good boy. My so. favorite was that like four second scene between Tyrion and Sansa. Oh, where he's like oh. he like kissed her hand and it, it was like beautiful. Speaking of her Who would have known that um, staying in a crypt with a thing that can raise the dead was a bad idea. Well, you know, nobody. <laughs> nobody saw it coming. Um so our girl Sansa, what Sophie Turner, she got married. What? Did yeah, she? Yeah, she she eloped in Vegas to Joe Jonas. Oh, gross. What? Why gross? Just gross on the Jonas <laughs> brothers. <laughs> Just because he didn't like their music doesn't mean he's a gross dude. He could be awesome. Do they take off their purity rings? <laughs> well, I, I very specifically remember them getting just roasted by South Park on that whole purity ring thing. And I then mean, getting beat up by Mickey That's Mouse. some publicist that was like, do this, sell records to little girls. Parents will want to buy your records. They then. are charlatans, I mean, liars. Maybe, whatever. Maybe she's just getting ready because her movie's going to bomb horribly. Why? It looks good. No, it doesn't. I thought it did. I saw it 10 years ago when they made the exact same movie. <laughs> Sorry, I so don't. So this is where you're at today. Yeah, I'm a comic book fan, and Dark Phoenix, ugh, gross. I guess, well, we can talk about that later, because I don't really understand it, because Jean Grey is definitely Jean Grey for a really long time before she's Dark Phoenix, so mm-hmm. I don't understand how a young Sophie Turner could be turning into Dark Phoenix, because... Well, it doesn't how, happen until she's older. Well, how about the fact that she's supposed to be like 30 years old because of the no, time? No, she's not. In the show, this is in the timeline, if you look at it, uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, the guy who plays Magneto, Fassbender. Mm-hmm. He's supposed to be 55 years old at this point in the wow. timeline. Like Professor Xavier is supposed to be turning. You're it. okay with the fact that these people are mutants and can meld metal and control minds, but... You're hung up on that they don't look old enough. Come on. I don't you see how. Just you tell me how James McAvoy turns into Patrick Stewart in literally five years <laughs> because that is the timeline that we are. And then oh, Gandalf, Fassbender, supposed to turn into Gandalf. There's problems with the Gandalf. X-Men. Yeah, because he's the guy who plays. Uh, I can't remember his name off the top. Of my head. Oh, Ian McKellen, you mean? Yeah. Oh, I was like, what? Michael Fassbender has to turn into Ian McKellen again within five years. It, this, this is their timeline. I didn't write this. Wow. It is I, a problem. I am sorry that I brought this up. Thank God Disney bought them. That way we don't have to worry about this anymore. They're just, it's not going to matter after this comes out. Do you need a minute? I do. I'm a little do upset. Do you need to pause the show so you can these, take a walk? These X-Men movies, man. All right. Let's. <laughs> we'll get into it sometime. But We're oh. going to move away. We're going to move away from movies in general because I think we recognize that we talk about movies a lot because they yeah. pump us up and we haven't really talked about books a lot. That's true. We don't. And books are amazing. It's almost like we're on a library podcast and we don't talk about books. Yeah. So we need to do that. Books are pretty much my favorite thing ever. Yeah. I'm going I'm to let you take the lead on this too because you read... I almost got to the end of Redfish Bluefish, and I'm wondering who. Uh, Did you use this joke before? I well, think you did. I didn't get a chance to finish my joke, but <laughs> it, was, it was going to be a version of it. No, I'm cutting it off. This is not happening. <laughs> yeah, this last month I finished my 600th book. What? Right? 600. 600. You didn't read that many. It's that's how you do it. That's not even counting like all my childhood books. It's not like Indian in the cupboard stuff. But. Whoa, whoa, Native American in the cupboard. Jeez okay, Louise. so here we go. <laughs> so we're gonna talk about some books that we have read that we love that are maybe like a little underrated or maybe like kind of went under the radar. People don't know about them, and you might be looking for some new things to read. Yeah. 
That Let's works. Let's do that. I I'm like gonna, where your head's at. I'm going to throw two in always at a time. I'm going to do a fiction and a nonfiction. Nice. Because, you know, you might have your preference. Some people prefer one or the other. Yeah, that's probably true. Okay. I, I'm a fiction guy myself, but, you know. I'm I'm a both. I'm a bothy girl. A bothy girl? Bothy girl. That's the official term. Um, okay, so the first book I want to talk about is actually a book that I'm reading right now. I'm almost done with. And it's just surprisingly great. It's called Cuba Libre, mm. Che Fidel and the Improbable Revolution that Changed World History by Tony Perotet. Um Nailed it. It's it's so good. Jacob, I can't even explain. This book is so good. It's so entertaining. So it's the su- super surprising story for me about Che Guevara, Fidel Castro, and then their scrappy band of rebel men and the women who followed them. And the thing is, like, most people are familiar with the basics of the Cuban Revolution from 56 to 59 because it was led by two of the 20th century's most charismatic figures that kind of dominated the news and and really just pop culture. Their T-shirt sales are through the roof. Yeah, definitely Chazar. Um, But they successfully overthrew, you know, Cuba's U.S.-backed dictator Batista. And then, of course, things quickly went awry under Fidel's rule. But it's kind of all leading up to when Fidel rules because less is really remembered about the amateur nature of the movement and the players. And this book is just like it's wildly entertaining and it's super meticulously researched um, because this uh, Tony Paratet is a historian and journalist and he really unravels the drama behind like history's most improbable revolution. Like you're reading this and you're like, how did this work? There's like 80 guys and they don't have shoes or food. And like Batista's military has like 10,000 trained soldiers and they're just like winning. They're these self-taught revolutionaries. Most of them are just out of college. They're like literature majors and art students. That is like who is in this rebel army and an extraordinary amount of women. It was really feminist. It was really ahead of its time. Hmm. And no, I'm sorry, they defeated 40,000 professional soldiers and overthrew a dictatorship. And are still going to this day. Like, they're still knocking yeah, it out. It, I'm sad that the book is almost over because next I want to know, like, how Fidel went wrong. Because reading it now, he is so passionate. He's extremely democratic. I mean, he's about equality. He hates this dictatorship. The areas that they go into, they take care of the people. They build schools and hospitals, and they're all about feeding people. He's never let any soldier abuse or touch a woman. So you're like, this guy's the best. I mean, he was on all over American newspapers, and he was on the Ed Sullivan show, and Ed Sullivan was like, this is a really great guy here. (laughs) And then everything took a turn. So it's fascinating. It's really well-written. Um, well, this probably, guy knows how to write it probably has something probably has something to do with you know accepting help from Russia it's not like that's ever had negative effects in I, governments throughout history yeah but I need to know I need to know more Jacob no, it's I'm fascinating. With you there. I actually I know nothing about it outside of like what happened in the Godfather 2 and and that's a big thing because that was all Batista of letting like mobs come in and open these casinos and everything is super super crooked and that is what this band of men wanted to change. So I don't understand how it ended up going so wrong because they they seem really great. I, I mean, mean, there were some American defectors who came just to fight, you know, with the rebel army to overthrow because it seemed it was a really patriotic thing that they were doing. I like how you're in a Cuba state of mind. You know, you were visiting. Well, there. yeah, you gotta because get, gotta I get went, the history in. I did. I left with questions of like, I need to understand this history better. I, I should have read it before I went, but well, there's that. 
And now you got context. That's more important. It's definitely it's definitely helping. And then a fiction book I want to recommend to keep on topic with our Game of Thrones people because it's written by David Beninoff, who is one of the creators of the Game of Thrones show. Oh, yeah, I know that name. And the book is called City of Thieves. Um, I might have mentioned this book before. I'm not sure. I, I love it so much. It takes place during the Nazis' uh, siege of Leningrad. Okay. And the character is Lev, who is arrested for looting. And he's thrown into the same cell as this like super handsome deserter named uh, Kolia. And instead of being executed, the two guys are given a shot to save their own lives by complying with this really outrageous directive. They have to secure a dozen eggs for a powerful Soviet colonel hmm. to use in his daughter's wedding cake. Dozen so eggs. they are in a city cut off from all supplies and like everyone is suffering from like extreme deprivation. And these two guys embark on a hunt through you know the lawlessness of Leningrad at this point behind enemy lines to find the impossible. I actually like that premise a little bit. I like I'm, I'm mulling it around in my brain. I'm like, you know what? I can I can get behind. Oh, that. it's crazy and like, it's a really good coming of age story because the one character is really young. So like that's really well done. But it's more about relationships and internal observations that. You'd think because the characters are so well done that the history is kind of secondary, but really the story, it's a really realistic feeling of how it must have been and what the suffering was um, through the invasion of the Germans into Leningrad and like how cold it is and there's no food, there's no shelter, there's no equipment. And you get a really good feel of that in the book. So it feels, it's like good historical fiction, but just excellent fiction. I mean, David oh. Beninoff, he really can write. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, that's showing in the now and in the future because yeah. he's part of that new Star Wars trilogy that's going to be coming out in like five years. So that's yeah. going to be awesome. It's super. There's a little bit I wrote because I just feel like he carried this into Game of Thrones. But like this little conversation between these two characters where the ones like, what's the good news? The guy's like, pardon? You said the bad news is we're going the wrong way. Well, there isn't any good news. Just because there's bad news doesn't mean there's any good news, too. And that, I was like, yep, that, that's it. Yeah, that is literally <laughs> yeah. Game of Thrones wrapped up yeah, in, a bo- in a bowl yeah. right there. It's a, it's a great, it's a great book. Um, I'm sure more people have read it now since the show came out. But if you haven't, you definitely should. Yeah, I never even heard of it, so I'm gonna have to check that one out. Cool, cool. What you got? All right, so I'm gonna go with your favorite subject, wrestling biography. Oh, you just, you just bring it. You just it do it to me. But I'm not gonna do one of the major ones like your Mick Foley ones or your Ric Flair books. I'm gonna go with <laughs> okay. Walking a Golden Mile by Stephen Regal. So to wrestling fans, Regal is one of, is known as one of the best like in ring technicians. He's plays the, does the English style of wrestling, which is a lot more joint English man- style. Yeah, there's like you do a lot more joint manipulation and a oh. lot more like literally punching people in the face. Like, oh sure, yeah. It's a combination Great. of the two. It's really fun to watch. Uh, but he has actually a very fascinating story. So he is currently the head trainer in NXT, which is their like developmental company. But when he was a um, pro, big time, you know, actual full time wrestler between the 90s and the early 2000s, he famously had a big problem with addiction to drugs, mostly painkillers and stuff because of that injuries that he right. gained over time. So his book is not only about him and his life growing up or getting in the business at age 15 in England, where he's been wrestling pretty much his entire life. So you get a view of what the English wrestling scene is, which basically is a lot of like carnival tents. You're doing a lot of outdoor events. There's okay. like 500 people in the crowd if you're lucky. Um, you just going in and get beat up every day, sleeping in a caravan, going Sounds show to show. great. It's very much like <laughs> carnival life, and he gets into it very in-depth um, as well. But a big chunk of the book, especially in the second half, is him talking about how 
uh, his addiction to painkillers eventually like took over his life, started affecting him um, professionally and personally, how he became withdrawn from his family, how he almost he did get fired from WWE for a little bit um, because of the addiction until they helped him get some help and he get out of it. How even though he knew he was hurting his body, how the addiction still was he couldn't stop doing it. He kept taking these pills. It was making him even more horrible physically. He was gaining weight. All um, injuries were mounting up. And then it's about how he decided one day that he just had enough because he realized he was going to lose everything if he didn't stop. So then it gets into how he stopped doing all the drugs, got himself into actual better shape, and then how it's like caused a second act in his life. So now he's one of the most indispensable parts of the company. And if you look at their in-ring work, it's gone a lot better since he's taken over developmental because now everybody that comes into the system has a lot of like extra training. They okay. actually know what they're doing. By the time they get onto TV, they are already ready to go. There's none of that learning on the job stuff that they had a problem with back in the day. He's actually become one of the top figures in wrestling. And still, you just look at his work. He's got that kind of reputation as not a big name, but a big enough name where people see him. They're like, hey, I like that guy. Or the guy's I feel always like nice you must fun. really like him because I don't think I've ever heard you describe a book so lengthy. Yeah, I was. <laughs> you just really went into it. Yeah, I did not expect to enjoy this book as much as I did because I didn't really know much about Regal. I knew it, you know, he got fired and I liked his yeah. in-ring stuff. But then you find out like what was going on behind the scenes and in his life. It's just, it's so great. Um, He has actually one of the most famous stories he gets into where he actually got into a real fight in a ring because there was this guy Goldberg that was getting pushed to the moon Mm -hmm. and he was couldn't wrestle for anything. So they put him in there with Regal in WCW the one time and he just got mad at him. So he basically spent five minutes of national television making this guy look absolutely terrible. (laughs) And every time the guy did something wrong, he would legitimately like punch him in the face as hard as he could. And the guy was getting like flustered and mad and just looked confused. He got yelled at, but all the wrestlers were like, good job, guy. You've said so many terms and names that I'm not familiar with, but gonna, I like I'm it. I'm going to sit you down and have I you like watch it. some stuff. Maybe. If you ever want to see a match where guys fake break each other's fingers and elbows Just and it don't. looks spectacular, oh. Let me, I'll show you some English wrestling. You'll you'll, you'll dig it big time, let all me right. tell you. I'm going to trust you. <laughs> it's hard for me to trust you. Um, okay, so another a nonfiction here. This is a book that when I went... Uh, last fall when I went on that cross-country like National Parks trip at the Badlands there was some guy I was standing out watching the sunrise and there was some guy who was like a huge National Park guy and we were kind of talking about the nature around us and he recommended a book Um, it's older I don't even know I think maybe it's from the 60s or 70s I could be totally wrong it could be like the sounds good probably like like the 40s or if you don't know to say it with conviction people believe it's from a time period um it is called the immense journey an imaginative naturalist explores the mysteries of man and nature by lauren isley (sighs) this book um okay so it has like an unusual blend of scientific knowledge and imaginative vision um because he's so he's an anthropologist and naturalist, this uh, Lauren Isley, and he's revealing life's endless mysteries in his own experiences. Um, I don't know how to describe it because some of the prose in this book, and I hate to say this sentence, but they feel almost life-changing, which really? is just the last thing that I expected from a book about nature essays. But it is seriously some of the most beautiful 
and evocative writing, yet seemingly effortless that I have ever read. Like I read the book, it's it's a short book, but I read it incredibly slowly because you you had to like absorb every word. Like, you know, sometimes you read things and you're just kind of going along, but I would literally stop after every sentence and take like a beat hmm. to really absorb what he just said. He has such a way. So if you're into nature, if this summer you're out exploring and you kind of want something like that, it's a it's just beautiful. Oh, it's all a right. beautiful book. I had written down some passages from it, but I'm you know I'm gonna ruin them. I don't have the voice for it, but they're really really beautiful. And yeah, check it out. And let's see now a fiction book. Fiction. I'm gonna go with. Um, it's a famous author, uh, Kazuo Ishiguro. Of course. So he was he's won the Nobel Prize in literature from. Um, I probably from all of his work, but he's most famously known for The Remains of the Day. Hey, I know that one. Exactly. That's a weird Anthony Hopkins movie. So, yes. Yeah, so the book that I love is called The Buried Giant, which I don't think did very well in general, but it's this post-Arthurian Britain. And so the wars that once raged between the Saxons and the Britons have finally ceased. And then there's this elderly British couple, Axel and Beatrice, and they set off to visit their son, who they haven't seen in years. And because there's like this strange mist around, which is causing mass amnesia throughout the land, they can scarcely remember anything about him. Mm -hmm. So it's about their journey, and they're joined by this Saxon warrior, um, this illustrious knight, like this kind of cast of characters, and Axel and Beatrice slowly begin to remember the dark and troubling past that they all share. Um, that sounds cool. It is, it's savage, but in like a really beautiful poetic way. It's suspenseful, it's incredibly moving. Um, like I said, I read reviews where people were kind of bored with it, and I had the absolute opposite reaction. Like, I was pulled in, really moved. It's kind of like a, a meditation on the act of forgetting and the power of memory. Um, and I think because I have such a terrible memory that I'm drawn to things about memory, which now that I'm thinking about it, there's other books on my list like that. <laughs> but, yeah, you should definitely definitely check this book out this book though is meant for like a, a cold night or a rainy night it needs to be dark and need to be kind of cozied up well luckily uh, luckily i live in buffalo so we got so plenty of those. Have, that's basically they'll have it all the time oh wait can i interrupt did you see the simpsons bit i did and i don't understand why everybody's freaking out i'm like yeah oh people awful. need to relax i know i'm like you guys are totally uncool that was light with how people, bad the simpsons can go people, on people make fun of i mean who cares yeah it buffalo. doesn't have to be true they're teasing us we're not even upstate new york yeah buffalo like, has snow it happens it's a fact it's guys. fine i love when he was at anchor bar oh the yeah was at anchor bar it was so good boy did they nail that look yeah <laughs> Like, oh, I know that. I've driven by that. Area. Oh, yeah. No, that was awesome. Okay. So please throw a, throw a book in that I'm sure will be lighter than my books. <laughs> no, you would think so, but no. Okay. okay. So I'm going to go with uh, Leviathan's Wake. Okay. It, it is the first of the eight book series in the Expanse series written by James S.A. Corey, which is actually a pen name for David, Daniel Abraham and Ty Frank because it's written by two people. Judging by the ratings on this show, uh, nobody watches it, which is a darn shame because hmm. I think it's easily the best sci-fi show I've ever seen. I love really? everything about it. Yeah. The What's it on? It's on? Well, it was on Sci-Fi Channel, but now it's on Prime. Uh, it's, it just finished its I wonder if season. we're able to purchase it yet. I'll have to look into that. Oh, for sure. I, I, Expanse. Yeah. Okay. Um, so 
it's just so funny to look at where the show is now compared to where it started. I've been rewatching it a little bit mm-hmm. and reading the, some of the book and everything that's happened in the show. It, a, it's nowhere near where it started. Like it's so, it seems so in, inconsequential how the show started to where they're at now, but just so much happens. It's not only a sci-fi show about a battle between Earth and Mars and like in space colonies. Oh, that's what it is. Earth um, and Mars. Yeah, but it's also a lot of politics going on. Um, it's not your typical sci-fi show because it's a little bit more reality-based. Everything mm-hmm. has some kind of scientific basis on it. Uh, it's just, it's so good. Like, everything about this book, it's one of the best sci-fi ones that I've read in a long time. And I'm a fan of the sci-fi shows. If you're thinking that it's going to be something like Star Wars or Star Trek, it's nothing like that. That's more, if I had to do, like, a high fantasy kind of idea, that's more like high sci-fi. Okay. This is more, like, grounded, gritty. Okay, it feels kind of real. Yeah, they actually went into the science. They talked to a lot of physicists to get up all their ideas for space travel, how it would actually work. Okay. Um, there's some um, extraterrestrial stuff going on. Actually, I think it's extrasolar is what they say because extraterrestrial means out of Earth, but when you're going with Mars. Extrasolar, cool. There's extrasolar stuff going on. There's all sorts of... Well, you know I love sci-fi, so I'll I'll definitely check it out. I don't even. It's probably like when I go through my Goodreads, it'll be like on my list of want to read, which yeah. is like two hundred and fifty books long. This, so this is actually one where it's such a good show and such a good book that Jeff Bezos, when it got canceled by Sci-Fi, was like no, and basically swooped in and bought the entire license, and now is funding the rest of the show until they get all the books information in. Wow. He's basically like, you know, I'm going to pay for this show on my own with its cool. huge budget and just like, let's get this going, guys. All right, it's cool. It's so good. So I'm good. All, Check I'm out the book. I'm all over it. You, you did me good, Jacob. It's what you I try to good. do. I try to do it for you. Um. Okay, so another nonfiction. This is the book, So You've Been Publicly Shamed by John Ronson. Oh, it's like my life story. But hey, you, John Ronson, that's friend of the show. I was waiting. I was like, you can actually say it because yeah. he he has, we have chatted um, through the Twitter sphere. Um, this book is incredibly important for this time in history, sadly. So it's about, for three years, John Ronson traveled the world meeting recipients of high-profile public shamings. Awesome. I mean, and it's about people who are shamed like us, people who make a joke on social media that came out badly or made a mistake at work. And then once their transgression is revealed, collective outrage circles like with the force of a hurricane. And the next thing you know, they're just being like torn apart by an angry mob and demonized. And like sometimes people get fired and things like that. So it's a it this great like renaissance of public shaming is is kind of taking over the country and the world and justice has really been um democratized but the you know the silent majority are getting a voice but the question is like what are we doing with that voice you know are we just like mercilessly finding people's faults and you know we're defining the boundaries of normality by ruining the lives of all of the people outside of it. So it really makes you kind of stop and take a look at the idea of using shame as a form of social control. And it's really like messed up. Well, it's very, very prudent nowadays. It's that's anyone. You just, you just pick culture. someone and, and then this is what you do. In the book, it can be really funny, but it's really powerful and honest. And like I said, it makes you reflect on modern life and how we can possibly have like a war on human flaws. Like we all have them speak for yourself (laughs) any one of us can kind of you know fall into this and then we have to pay attention to how are we playing our part in this like what are we doing are we being terrible are we shaming people that we don't know you see a photo of someone and 
you know, you kind of decide who they are as a person. And it has, like, ruined people's lives. Like, I feel really bad for the people in the book that he meets with because mm. they don't really deserve it. I, I see exactly what you're talking about. That is a thing where people just look at somebody and they're like, mm, I don't like that person. Right oh, this 16-year-old did this really tasteless thing. Let's just, like, tear her apart and try to get her kicked out of school. And, like, these people get sent death threats. And you're like, they they made a mistake. Like, yeah, they did something stupid. But, like, we all do things stupid, especially with social media. Because oh, you're yeah. like, I have a phone that's a camera. And you can immediately post things. And then maybe 10 minutes later you're like, Oh wait, that's dumb. Mm, or people make jokes, and people are extremely sensitive nowadays to jokes. Or people just don't get jokes. It's like it's it's a joke. Like the Simpsons bit, where I saw all this outrage of people being like, "We need to invite them there and show them this isn't what." Yeah, I know. I saw Buffalo's that too. Like it's like you guys. I, it's a it's just a joke. I literally <laughs> groaned when I saw that. I'm like, oh, way to be uncool, guys. Uh, just take it in stride and no sell it. That's how you deal with this scenario, guys. No, it's oh. just, uh, I know, exactly. I so that, it's a good book to read to really understand. I mean, you got to be careful with that. You can't just judge people by their covers. I've only ever been right about one person that I judged and found that they were going to be completely insufferable. Who's that? Pete Davidson. No, you and Pete hate, Davis. Hate that guy, and you know what? I turned out to be absolutely correct. The guy's the worst. He does seem terrible, but Ugh. you don't really no. know him. You, you don't I really don't, know him. I don't need to know him. I don't need to know him. You can know him by his terrible tattoos, by his flash tattoos. Oh, don't even get me started on the <laughs> tattoos. Um, all right, we pr- I pretty much wa- talked us right out of time. I have so many yeah, more books, but can I do just one more? You can do as because, many as you want. Because it ties into my facts. Oh, so I like it's it. Important yeah, do, knock, it, it. knock them out. So I'm going to throw in another nonfiction book. This one is called Moonwalking with Einstein. Easy now. The Art and Science of Remembering Everything by Joshua Four. It's a skill of mine, actually. Moonwalking with Einstein? Well, that and remembering everything. Is it? No. Oh, okay. So <laughs> it is about Joshua's year-long quest to improve his memory um, under the tutelage of top mental athletes. Top mental athletes. Yes. So he draws, he has like really cutting-edge research and this crazy cultural history of remembering that I just did not know that like, this was happening. And then all of these tricks of the mentalist trade to kind of transform human memory. So he became really intrigued by the chance that he could, you know, improve his memory. So he spent a year training to become one of these mental athletes and then compete in the United States Memory Championship. That's a thing. Wow. And it's crazy, Jacob. They'll take like 15 decks of cards and shuffle them together, and then they just flip them one at a time in front of you. And then stop, and then you have to tell them all of the cards that you just saw. Like, nope. No, can we just get Simon? Like, can I we just mean, do that for an hour? Yeah, no, it, it's really crazy. But he has, there's like little exercises that you can do daily that he talks about, and things that you can do to kind of help you remember. And one of the things that he does, I use um, all the time, and it's actually amazing. So I will teach you it at some point. But, you know, it's just like a, a, also about how you have to change your routine take vacations to some exotic locales and stuff and have as many new experiences possible to help anchor our memories. Well, I'm doing that. I'm taking a vacation to Pittsburgh. That's Yes, a, you are. <laughs> that, that's, talk about exotic locations. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's Did you know they got three bridges? <gasps> they do. I actually hate mm-hmm. driving in Pittsburgh so much. It's so. the worst. All right, we are out of time. Why don't you plug us up? All right, so everything we talked about and all booked up is going to be available at all 37 branches of the Buffalo and Erie County Public Library and 
we got a bookmobile that'll come to your location. So if we don't got something, just ask them. They'll bring it to you. Drop it off. Get it right to your doorstep. That's not entirely true, but that, we'll get it to you. That's not actually true, but you have to leave your house. Yeah, you do, but it's, <laughs> it's for the greater good. Maybe you find something else you like it. You know, check it out. We got some great suggestions, as always, so go check them out, everybody. Okay, and some facts for you. Don't forget to follow us oh. on Twitter as well. Oh, yeah, I All forgot my bit. Pod. Yeah, that's it. And interact with me and, more importantly, with Michelle. Watch her crack wise and such on, on the old Twitter machines. <laughs> Is that me? I don't know that I do that. I'm the meme guy. You're the funny person. You really that, are. That's, that's our dynamic. Um, okay, so facts about memory because I'm obsessed with that book. Oh, I remember that we were talking about this. Oh, God. Bless it. But so, according to Northwestern University psychology professor Paul Reber, our brains have the capacity to store up to 2.5 petabytes of data which is the equivalent of three million hours of tv shows or because of where we're at today it is the same storage as nearly 4,256 gigabyte iphones oh man well i guess i better start you know clearing out some of the older shows you know, getting like right up on the old you can't even see just about that buddy um so yeah that's like fascinating that we can remember that much stuff because I sure can't but I think my problem is maybe I walk through too many doorways you think that's a problem well entering or exiting through a doorway serves as an event boundary in the mind which separates episodes of activity and files them away okay so this is according to a psychologist and told to live science so this guy studied difference between subjects moving objects between rooms versus subjects moving objects in the same room and found that people were two to three times as likely to forget what they were supposed to do after walking through a doorway. That is absolutely correct because I, mean, that I happens always forget. To me all the time. I'll leave a room and like, why did I come in here? What the heck am I doing? Well, it's so serious that a follow-up study to that research found that when subjects were asked to remember something, after imagining themselves passing through a doorway, they were less likely to recall the information presented. So you can't even think about a door, or you won't Michelle, remember. Michelle, Michelle, I, I, I just thought of a door. Yeah, look, it's gone. It's in my head now. I'm not going to be able to not think about going through doors. Well, maybe what you should do is close your eyes. Because uh, another study in the legal and criminal psychology found that when people closed their eyes, they were able to answer 23% more questions correctly about a movie they had just watched. So yep. by closing your eyes, you remove outside distractions, and then your brain is able to really focus on the recollections. Sounds about right. You close your eyes, you can start replaying some scenes, start remembering some stuff about it. That, that one I absolutely buy. I wish I had known that in school. I would have closed my eyes for all tests. And the Just last... write the answers on your eyelids. That's the best way. Oh, God. And the last one, which I'm really obsessed with lately, and I have been reading about and watching, listening to podcasts about, but it is about false memory about people that are so sure of memories that they have that have never happened. So it is a, it's actually a really common phenomenon and it affects nearly um, everyone. So psych psychologists at the University of California, Irvine, tested subjects with normal and superior memories and found that both types of people are very easily tricked into false memories. So like for example, sometimes they would say words like, oh, pillow, duvet, nap, and then people would be 100% sure that they heard the word sleep, hmm. even though, you know, they didn't. And that 73%, okay, of the 239 convictions that were overturned through DNA testing since the 1990s 
were originally convicted due to eyewitness testimony. Yeah, it's eyewitness testimony is the worst. It's the old Simpsons purple monkey dishwasher idea. That's like you think something happened and then by the time it, re- it gets back to you, it's completely different. It really didn't. There is so much to study on that. So you guys, maybe we'll do an episode on that at one point, but grab some books about it. It's crazy. False memory, except real memory is that you love the show and that you're going to listen next week as well. You got to, people. This is this is your home. We're here for you, <laughs> We're here for every, you. every week. All right. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Bye.